Hello and welcome to Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. A whole new world of fun. Everyone's invited. Hello everybody and welcome to episode five of season two of Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. Today I'm very excited. I met this young lady years and years ago at Crofts um, where we were talking dog training all the way back then. Seems like forever and ever and ever ago. I think it's got to be a good five or six years. But I would like to introduce you to the lovely Jodie Forbes and today we are going to be talking well dogs really. So Jodie how are you? Hi um, I'm, I'm really good yeah how are you? Bored. <laughs> yeah um, yeah I mean yeah I can I can try and play it up but yeah I'm also bored yeah that's cool so this is going to be March time now so we're kind of behind time so some of the stuff we might be talking about might have changed when it actually the episode is released because we're recording in February we are in February right I don't even know what day of the week it is what month we're, we're in February <laughs> okay good yay we're in February don't ask me the day I'll get confused so um Jodie, people that don't know you, who have no idea who you are, who are you? (laughs) Right, so I am 24 years old. I'm a dog trainer. Um, I specialize in kind of trick training, agility, freestyle to music, that kind of thing. Hoopers, I suppose. Of course. I I just mentioned that as well. (laughs) Um, I have a degree in animal sciences. I've worked mainly border terriers and herding breeds. Um, and I've been a professional dog trainer for a few years now. Cool. So, so you're so for for the the I was going to say seasoned trainers amongst us. You're a baby relatively, but you have been competing with your dogs from quite a young age because you do a lot of um, junior kennel club stuff, don't you? Yes. Yeah, so um, if anyone here is a young person or has any kids or anything who like dogs. Oh my God, the Young Kennel Club is incredible. Um, but yes, yeah, so I've I've been competing with my dog since I was about nine years old. Um, I've been competing at Crufts since 2010, I think. Um, so every year since, so about 10 years. Wow. Um, and yeah, I've been, I've been competing. Um, I've won first places in Crufts, at Crufts in um, agility, freestyle to music and grooming which I'm very lucky to have those opportunities. And I'm very lucky to have dogs that are able to do these things and take me to these places. Uh, so yeah, I've been doing stuff since I was very, very young. Cool. So just quickly, I'm gonna stumble onto the grooming um, very quickly because there's been a program on the telly where they've been doing like the whole fashion grooming thing and stuff, and it's caused a bit of controversy. So let's just let's just spill the tea a little bit. I personally, as long as the dog is happy being groomed and comfortable being groomed, if you're going to dye their pom-poms a funny colour or give them a funky haircut, like, I don't have a problem with that. But some people seem to have this real, real issue with dogs being a funny colour and, like, having, like, what I would call fashion cuts as opposed to, like, your traditional cuts. And just kind of wondered what your take on it is, really. So I can get both sides of the argument. I can understand that sometimes perhaps dyeing a dog to look like a teddy bear um, mm. might kind of dehumanize, I know it's not a human, but dehumanize the dog and, and make it more of a toy or a fashion statement. Yeah. But that being said, I'm all for dyeing dogs if they're happy with it. Um, Tulip, my like my little crossbreed, uh, for Pride Week, I, I did a little rainbow tail on her. Oh, her tail uh, looks epic. I loved it's it. Awesome, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, so I'm I'm all for doing it if you're using pet safe dyes, if it's um kind of if you take the dog's welfare into perspective and if the dog is happy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Cause um like I, I train a, um, a standard poodle and he always has the most epic haircuts and his poms, I think the last time I saw him, his poms were purple. And I'm just like, it's just a bit of fun. Like I don't see why it's a problem. I mean, obviously I have the pink hair as well. So I'm clearly, I think it's cause I've got dogs that I'm actually a bit jealous when people can do the funky haircuts. Cause like none of mine really kind of are dyeable I guess the chihuahuas I could do something with their tails but the the dark gingerness doesn't really 
bode well to bright colours and munch my little staffy mix. Obviously, can't dye hair, and I don't think you can dye shepherd. No, it's like with my border terriers. They're so kind of dirt proof that you dye them and then they just come straight off straight away. Uh, but a friend of mine, you would love this. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, she won at Crufts with her schnauzer that was dyed pink and her hair was pink as well. And they looked incredible together. Yes, I did. But didn't they then change the rule or saying that dogs yeah. weren't allowed to be dyed? It was like... Yeah. And this dog is honestly the most loved dog in the world. And that was and, agility, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And this dog was incredible. The amount of work that goes into training an agility dog up, that dog is definitely not abused or anything. Yeah. Um, and yet people got so funny about it. And I do see why, like I can see that side of the argument, but I am also, definitely firmly on the other side. It's just for fun. And like, I, yeah. to me, like I don't see how putting a bit of color as, as we say, as long as it's safe enough. I don't see how that's any different to putting them in a pink harness or having yeah. rhinestones on their collar. Like it's all just it's yeah. fun, isn't it? Yeah, I think people need to just breathe and worry about more serious things than whether a dog's got a rainbow tail or not. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads us on to kind of with agility, and obviously you do hoopers as well. Um but the thing I'm really intrigued with with what you do is the heel works music because. Dodge, bless him, my shepherd. I'm I'm not going to do agility with him. He's, I just feel his frame is not best suited to the physicality of agility. And that's not saying I couldn't train him and stuff, but let's face it, even in an ABC class, which is anything but collies for those of you that aren't familiar with that term, um, he's not going to be up there with your kind of poodles and mallies because he's a bit of a lump, bless him. Well, and also, sorry, you do have to think about also um, their welfare as well. And I think yeah. it's really good that you're putting him first because a big dog like him, especially a breed that's prone to having joint issues, doing that repetitive jumping, having to crawl through the tunnels because he's not going to be able to get through a 60 centimetre tunnel and really comport, comport, comporting, contorting through those weaves mm -hmm. is going to be tough on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to be, I mean, he, we, he can do a 60 centimetre tunnel. It's not the most prettiest of things. And you kind of watch it rock as he goes through <laughs> it. Um, he's much better suited to a Hooper's tunnel, which is yeah. bigger. But again, like I've, getting him, because he was the unplanned puppy, um, I didn't kind of have any major sort of sporting ideas with him apart from Hooper's. I was like, right, he's going to do Hooper's. And being a herding breed, it, it suits him really well but the other thing that kind of uh, like IPO wasn't going to work and we decided Mondio anything that involved him doing bite sports wasn't a thing for him so then I had a little go at obedience and heel work and I'm not gonna lie I'm finding it just it's just not our bag <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I kind of, obedience wasn't really igniting my fight. And for those of you that do obedience and do competitive obedience, like hat off to you because the level of training is comparable to agility completely because people say, oh, the dog's just walking to heel. It's not that simple. Like it's really not. But then I was like, oh, what about heel work to music? So... Can you kind of explain to people, because first of all, there's two types, aren't there? Yeah. Right. So heel work to music is when the uh, routine comprises of a majority of heel work. Mm -hmm. So actually being in a heel position, that's not necessarily the obedience heel work of being on your left hand side. The dog actually gets more points if they use more heel positions. So that could be walking forwards on your left, walking forwards on your right, walking backwards on your left, walking backwards on your right, even being in front of you, but their head being in that heel position, those still count as heel work positions. Okay. Um, whereas with the freestyle music, which is what I generally do more of, um, well, I, I completely do more of, I, I much prefer the freestyle, um, is, is not heavily weighted on that heel position. It's, a com it's, it's an amalgamation of different tricks and and putting it all together to create a nice big routine cool so it's it is more dancing with dogs than heel yeah. work. cool so it sounds like he, like freestyle is going to be more my bag it sounds mm -hmm. like that would be the way we would be kind of heading because during lockdown um well first of all the weather hasn't been great for training hoopers and um, originally I was a trick trainer. If you'd asked me what I did, I would have said I'm a trick trainer rather than dog trainer because that's what I kind of specialized in before Hoopers. And lockdowns really ignited that passion for 
doing tricks and stuff as well. And I know that you are equally as obsessed with trick training. Oh my God. I love trick training. Trick training is my kind of, that's where my soul is. You know, I love it so much because it's so inclusive yes. for everyone and any dog. So my, my almost 15 year old dog, she loves her trick training. But then also when my puppies were, were well, I, when I bred my puppies and they were about four weeks old, they were still learning to twist and they were learning to sit and do their tricks as well. Mm -hmm. So honestly, any any dog and any owner, no matter their ability or the dog's ability, can can do this. Yeah, exactly that. And and we're not saying that you have to go out and look at doing freestyle, but just doing trick stuff at home is a brilliant way of obviously increasing the bond with your dog. It's a great thing to do if like I mean. Sorry, Jodie. I've got a snow day today. I know Jodie hasn't got snow today. I'm jealous. But it means that the girls probably aren't going to want to go out because the girls are getting older. They don't particularly like going out in the cold anyway. And walking around the snow is not great. So doing a bit of trick training at home is a great alternative to going out for a walk. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and another thing I would say about trick training that I absolutely love is that there isn't, you can do your, your competitions, which I'm sure you'll, you'll want to touch on in a second, mm -hmm. um, your, your reward levels, but it's not a competition. Yeah. So things like agility, hoopers, freestyle to music, you always have in the back of your mind, I'm doing this, but I might want to compete with it. Yeah. Whereas the trick training, you, there aren't trick competitions necessarily, yeah. unless they're the ones at the fun dog show, but you're doing it just because you love doing it. It's That's the only incentive is that you enjoy doing it. And I really love that because it kind of brings you back to your dog training roots as opposed to even kind of subconsciously just thinking, am I going to win if I do this? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I think so... Like I've been doing, um, like with Dodge, I've been working few, through a few various trick titles with a few different trainers as well, because it's been really good for me, as you say, to go back to basics a little bit and kind of go, right, come on, puppy dog, let's see what we can do. And it's actually helped with our hoopers as well, because he's listening better, but also it's building his core strength. He's becoming more subtle. He's finally understanding there are four feet and that the back ones are actually attached to the same body as the front ones, which is amazing. Yes, especially for a German Shepherd. So I'm sure they have like a little blocker like midway through their spine and the back end just kind of follows along the front end. It's almost like, um, you know, when you see those lorries that have the second trailer that has <laughs> like the thing, it's almost like they're two separate trailers like two long vehicles trying to maneuver rather than just one long vehicle I completely absolutely I love that um and I think the other thing that's really nice with it is as you can say any breed any size but also any age of handler like it's actually a really good way of getting the kids involved yeah oh my goodness yeah it's such a brilliant so whenever I have um puppy consults or life skills classes I always encourage kids to come along because well I started dog training when I was nine like I said so I think if you get bitten by the bug early, you can become an amazing dog trainer. Um, and it, it can really be such an amazing thing in your life, um, especially for kids going through school, but that's another, uh, that's another tangent. And I do tend to go on school. <laughs> but um, yeah, so whenever I have any kids in these classes, I always give them a little bit of like personal homework for them to do, which is always teaching their dog to do a specific trick. And I'll take them through how to do that trick. Because I think it's just such a brilliant way of teaching kids to be more empathetic and understand dogs a lot more. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, like it's it's a good way to teach the kids how to be interacting with the dog safely and understanding kind of the dog's needs because like uh, we all see the awful videos on Facebook where we watch them and cringe and just go, oh my God, seriously. But the other side of it is actually teaching some of the trick training can turn out to be quite useful. So I recently taught Dodge to do um, the mail carrier trick, which it started off with, he had to take an envelope from me to my husband. And then the other day, um, Dale actually asked me to pass him a hammer and messing around, I went, Dodge, take it, take it to daddy. And he actually carried the hammer down the house to daddy. Now, one thing Dale wasn't overly happy about is that Dodge did have to run past two solid plate glass doors whilst carrying a hammer 
which maybe wasn't the best health and safety risk assessment. <laughs> oh my goodness. But he was like, and the best bit was when Dan finished with the hammer, he actually picked it up and took it to his bed. Oh, bless him. He was like, my hammer now, I can have a hammer. I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have taught the dog to run around the house with a hammer. That might not have been the best plan. No. <laughs> Things like... Um, just getting them to help with tasks. Like it's quite a fun thing to do, but actually um, if you're kind of getting a bit older, having a dog that can help you with some tasks around the house isn't the worst idea. No, so I always say this, everything is trick training. Yes, it's everything all Everything that we do is everything's a trick. Yes. And this isn't gonna take away from um, the important job that assistance dogs do, for example, but actually every single piece of task work they do is a trick yeah yeah um so i i don't have the best mental health and sometimes i have a uh, dissociate dissociations basically where i can't really do much um and i've taught my dogs that when this happens i, I just want to be somewhere quiet so i can ask my dog to go close the door for me to bring things to me um to give me cuddles so lay on my face mm -hmm. um and these are all they're just tricks they're just funny tricks that i've messed around with my sister's deaf and i've taught my dog to if she hears an alert, an alarm, sorry, she mm -hmm. will alert my sister by scratching her leg and then take her to the source of the noise. Again, that was just another trick that I taught my dog. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's actually a life-saving trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think as well, because I know um, some people are getting dogs and I think we'll touch on this actually, because we weren't planning on talking about this, but I think this is a good kind of segue for it. Um, there's a real thing at the moment about um, kind of emotional support animals and I'm all for it and I totally understand it, but emotional support animals are not the same as an assistance dog. Yes, that's right. Um, and a lot, if these emotional support animals are mitigating your disability um, and can perform task work, then they can be an assistance dog. But if it's just an animal that you like to take around with you, and yes, it might make you feel more comfortable, but if it's an animal that just you take around with you, that doesn't have the same rights as an assistance dog. Yeah, and that's like across the board as well, because I know we've got international listeners as well as in the UK. I remember um, there, <laughs> there was one, and only in America, and American listeners, this is no disrespect, and I'm sure you will understand this, but I saw um, an assistance alligator. Like, come on, people. That's not a thing. Like, that. how is your service animal an alligator? Like, <laughs> as cool as that would be, I don't yeah, think... Yeah, like, that's, 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 pretty, that's pretty, like, of a boss move. Do you know what I mean? Walking down <laughs> the road, like... But, yeah, so it is important to remember that um, assistance dogs are trained for their job. The other thing that is worth mentioning as well, and I think some people aren't always aware of, is that if you do see an assistance dog out and about, please don't try and distract them. Please don't try and make kissy noises and like try and, and don't get me wrong, I love watching a dog work, but they are doing that, they are working, and actually you trying to interrupt them and trying to interact with them is actually putting them and their handler potentially at risk. So absolutely, like- Absolutely, and I am so bad. If I see a dog, I melt, because I love dogs so much. And it takes every ounce of self-control for me not to stare at a dog that's working and just be like, and gush over it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's as hard as it is, that dog is doing a job just like, yeah. you know, a policeman or a paramedic is doing their job. So we can't just distract them. Yeah, yeah, completely. I remember, um, so I've traveled to America quite a lot and normally they have like a drug dog in the bit. And as you're queuing up, they actually make you kind of, they corral you in a square. So you have to walk around the edge of the square and the dog's in the middle so it can check everyone. And when it's a Labrador or a Spaniel, you see everyone like looking and being like, oh my God, as soon as it's a shepherd, whether it's Belgium <laughs> or German, everyone is looking ahead, avoiding eye contact, not apart from me, who's like, isn't it pretty? So like, yeah. <laughs> excuse me, officer, can I stroke your mallet? Okay, no, that's not a thing. I'm really sorry. Um, but <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Can I just stroke your mallet? Like, do not do that ever. That's not a thing. No. But um, I think also it's people's perceptions of the type of dogs that are being 
kind of used because I remember um, Munch when she was younger used to wear an in training vest quite a lot um, just when we were out and about just to try and get people to leave her alone a little bit but because she's got that kind of because she's labby staffy mix the amount of people that go oh she trains to be a guide dog and I'd be like no yeah yeah no I, I do get that and also because the guide dog colors used to be that quite bright yellow yes a lot of people will see the I need space jacket and immediately assume that it's yes um, a, a guide dog yeah a guide dog in training which when you've got because we both have space dogs as well um yeah that's not the most helpful assumption really no not at all it's not <laughs> <helpful>. <laughs> so let's go back to hill works music because we diverted but that's cool it's what we're here for it it's, been been time. Time. it's like there's a story but then there's also eight mini stories that go along with the actual story like, so what i see it like is every time i tell a story there's a tree and there's a million branches yes and that always happens and this is the worst thing because we're both guilty of doing this so this yeah. is going to be the most like disorganized podcast ever so if you're listening and struggling to follow on I'm really sorry <laughs> I need to take notes yeah yeah I'll try I would say I'll put it in the notes I'm not going to just listen carefully <laughs> and you'll follow it it'll be grand so he'll work to music um obviously at the moment there's no competitions open for anything because global pandemics um is there kind of a way of being able to start doing that kind of thing online yeah, so there are lots of online classes. Um, with Hillwork to Music, what I would say is that there aren't as many Hillwork to Music and freestyle classes as there are trick training classes. Mm -hmm. um, and Hillwork to Music and freestyle is basically a combination of tricks put together to look flashy and go in time with music. So if you're starting from scratch, I'd say enroll in some trick training classes, mm -hmm. definitely, just to get that understanding and that fluidity in yep. your training. Um, because another thing with, with heel work and freestyle music is you don't want to have to be luring everything. You want your dog to have things snappy on verbal cue yeah. or with the most subtle of lures. Yeah. Um, so I would say start online um, doing trick training classes or look on YouTube. There are so many trick training tutorials out there. I know that when I was about 10 years old, I was putting videos out there and they're so embarrassing to watch now, but they're still trick training tutorials. Yeah. So you can look at them. I was completely self-trained um, when I did my heel work to music and my um, my trick training. I did later go on to some classes, but you know, for the first few years, um, I literally was just sat watching YouTube videos or just doing trial and error in my lounge, just seeing what works. Yeah, and also just to add to that as well, like you don't have to have a border collie. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> so um, any breed any breed so um i've done trick training with uh schnauzers yes border collies but also terriers um doodles labs labs are more classic but labs um my chihuahuas love trick training chihuahuas, yeah do you know what there are so many any breed can do trick training i know huskies that do trick training i knew no like nordic breeds do trick yeah. training and the, the breeds that people say are untrainable so training one of the best best trick dogs i had in my class i used to do when um i used to come down to southern pets and teach with gavin jeanette one of my favorite so there was um evie the chihuahua who was just epic like evie's wicked um she actually played um bruiser in legally blonde which i was Amazing. so proud of Amazing. i was like oh, my little eve is on the stage I was like, yay um but also um Loki, who was a beagle and generally you ask people and they're oh you can't train a beagle mm -hmm. can't train a beagle oh they'll only do scent work can't train a beagle oh my god this dog's tricks were like amazing and like the teamwork he had with his mum like Gemma was a wicked handler as well but we had as you say a little oodle there was a labrador um yeah like they were just and I loved it because every time I'd go down there to do a workshop so I'd get my regular dogs, but I'd also like, we'd get so many other dogs that would just come along to try it out. And it was just Amazing. fun to teach as well. Like so trainers listening, if you're not doing trick stuff, do it. It's fun. Like it's so fun to teach. And as Jodie said, like it is, it's all a trick. It is. And, and just going on from that really quickly. So two of my favorite dogs I've ever watched perform at crafts in freestyle to music. Um, one of them was a beagle, like mm -hmm. you said. 
one of my friends had a beagle, I believe, called Teasel, and she qualified for Crufts a few times, and she was amazing. And that's a beagle in the main arena at Crufts. It's gone through all of those qualifying rounds and, and, yeah. and has qualified for Crufts. Um, and another one um, is called Trip Hazard. Someone might, some people might know. I know Trip Hazard. Britain's got, Britain's got talent. I believe he's a Maltese cross Pomeranian. But he's tiny. Tiny. Oh my gosh, he's the dinkiest little thing. You can fit in the palm of your hand. He's amazing. And this isn't taking away from the collies because obviously with the collies, we still put in so yes. much work. Yes, and they are but amazing. They, they're brilliant. And they're such a good, and there's a reason why they're so good because they're just so intelligent. But... It's so lovely when there's a lineup of border collies and then there's just one or two non-typical breeds. It just Richard Curtis has got a little dog as well, hasn't he? Yes, he does. Um, I think it's Chihuahua. Yeah, I think it is. I remember because I did a um I did a workshop with him many moons ago. And um because the dog couldn't do um a hop-on, so hop-on is where the dog comes in the middle of your legs in that kind of peekaboo middle position, then puts their paws on your feet, and then you can either stay stationary or walk with them because the dog was too small to that and I can attest teaching that to tiny dogs really does your hamstrings in that's a really hard trick to teach um she put her I believe it's a bitch um front paws on one foot and back paws on the other foot and he walked sideways so she was doing like this little caterpillar thing like it was just the cutest little thing and I was like <gasps> and that trick is really hard to teach <laughs> it's really difficult it's tricky ages to teach that yeah no so it's and that's the thing like you're kind of your imagination is like that's your limit like as long as the dog is physically capable like some of the stuff you can do with them is just it's wicked and I love it like yeah absolutely I just think um when it comes to trick training and when it comes to freestyle and, and um hill up to music it literally is your your imagination is the only thing that holds you back mm -hmm. if you can imagine that your dog can do it and like you said if it is physically possible for your dog to do it mm -hmm. then you can do it it might take a long long time to achieve that yeah. but you can do it um i will say as well really quickly just talking about different different breeds and different abilities um so with my older dog uh if, when you think of freestyle music, a lot of the time it's like the jumping around and the really active tricks. Yeah. Even with my older dog, she was still competing in freestyle music at 13 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and she wasn't, she had luxating patella, she had arthritis, she couldn't do the jumping, but there are still so many tricks, so many low impact tricks that dogs can do. Yeah. So if you've, um, if you've got a dog that, as you say, may have some physicality problems, obviously check with your vet first. But I actually remember like, months years ago cut a paw and we spent a week while the paw was healing doing loads of just low impact targeting stuff and like her chin target now is probably one of the most solid chin targets like I would happily bet you 10 pounds that she would chin target for a minute do you know what I mean pretty much anywhere because we spent a week just her doing chin and nose and I taught her to um target the stop as well so the top of her nose and Dodge now, I've broken Dodge's nose target. So you're going to find this hilarious. So Dodge's nose target has become nibble my hand. Amazing. Broken it. So I've had to change his nose target to the top of his nose. So basically the, that big old snooty bit of the shepherd. I've now had to train him to target that bit to my hand because he can't nibble my hand while he's doing that bit. Oh dear. Because it I broke my nose target. It's so easy to let these little things creep in. So easy. I think the problem was as well, he did it one day and I giggled, which is the worst thing to do. Because as soon as you giggle, they go, they really like that one. Yeah, yeah. So, God, it, like, so all my, and poor Kamal, bless him, like, because I train heel work with obedience. Well, Kamal tries to teach me obedience. And I'm really sorry, Kamal, if you are listening. Um I've got like one of the most amazing obedience trainers in the country. And I think he just despairs when I turn up. <laughs> I, I've got my dog nibbling my hand and can't even do a sustained nose touch. And I'm like, I am a dog trainer, really. But <laughs> when you're starting something new, you're not going to be good at it. Yeah. yeah. This is big. This is becoming one of our themes in the podcast at the moment that 
when we are trying new things. So it, don't try to do like one session of trick training if it's not perfect. Go, oh, it's not for me. I can't do that. Like, no. yeah. <laughs> and and I think I've touched on this, but I think trial and error is such a good way of doing things mm -hmm. because someone can tell you a hundred times to do it a certain way, but until you learn why you don't do it the other way, it's really hard to commit to doing it the way they told you. Um, and I, when I started training, I was, yeah, I, I was nine years old. The best or the only dog trainer really on TV was Caesar Milan. Um, that was pretty much all of the. We do not recommend him as a dog trainer. I'm just going to say we do not yeah. recommend him as a dog trainer. He is a no. TV personality. He is not a qualified dog trainer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing is, that's all I knew for, for dog training, that and a couple of books. And I was terrible. I was rubbish. I love that you can say that though. You were oh, ten, like you were nine, ten years old. Of course, you. Yeah. Were. I was rubbish, and also not super nice to my dogs all the time because I just thought that's how that's how you train dogs. You know, you have to be the alpha or whatever, and yeah. you have to tell them off when they're not doing it right. But the great thing with trick training is it's very, very hard to teach a dog to do something without using positive reinforcement or it's yeah. very hard to do certain tricks like you can punish your dog as much as you want but that's not going to get them to leg weave or it's going to make it quite hard to teach them to leg weave you do need food and you need motivation for that and yeah. that is what taught me that actually saying no to your dog isn't what gets results and that's trial and error yep saying what you just did was epic let's do it again they go oh, amazing and you see the difference in your dogs as well because you know i mean back in the day before i was a trainer i watched the shiny tooth ones i refer to him and you know my poor little terrier bless him probably thought i was a right grumpy mare like yeah. and then i went to training classes and i learned better and we and training is still progressing and developing you know anyone that says like we train how we train is for themselves because science is always developing understanding is developing and even like when we look you know hoopers is a brand shiny new sport that's been around what four years now maybe in the uk like it's so shiny but even agility like you think agility back before i was born was a very different sport to what it is now so yeah. everything yeah. progresses and develops and like when we look at like Hillworks music, I mean, honestly, guys, go on to YouTube. Um, one of my favorites, Kay Lawrence. I love watching um, Kay Lawrence with her dogs. And there was one routine she did. And it's just, it's magical. And just, she's got this big staff and this big coat. And just, it's so moving. And there was, um, there was one where there was the fire and like the little campfire. And I think it was to, um, the girl had a little piccolo or a recorder or something. And Jodie's like, I know exactly who you're talking yep. about. Yep, so that's um, Lucy Creek. She's Thank incredible. Her, that's the one who also trained the Beagle. Um, oh, there we so, go then. Yeah, she's amazing. Her, her dog is just phenomenal. He's retired now because in, so last year, I think he still won. He's, he's won first place at Crufts forever um, and last year he was almost deaf and yet he still managed to either win or come second like he's wow. an amazing amazing dog um, and I love Lucy Creek's routines and I love Lucy Heath as well okay um, so if anyone wants to look up Lucy Heath she's the one who has trip hazard oh um, okay she I also think I met her at Paws in the Park actually she was very yeah. nice she's lovely and she has a beautiful beautiful border collie um, and they always lose points because this border collie has the time of her life and just barks nonstop. And they always have like, what was that, sorry? So that's the thing, just quickly yeah. barking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, that's what the dogs aren't allowed to do. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, so this is a real pain because I have border terriers and they like the sound of their own voice. Really? Um, terriers that bark? Yeah. <laughs> And it's actually quite amazing. So that's actually leading on from what you were saying about the teeth nibbling. Yes. Your nose touch is so easy to let things creep into your training loops. It's so easy. If your dog does an amazing trick, amazing repetition of a trick, but they make a little vocalization, most people will go, yeah, brilliant. 
But then if you're doing freestyle to music, you realize, or hip hop to music, you realize actually every time you reward that, you are also rewarding inadvertently that little noise. Yeah. And that noise can become louder and louder. Um, so with Hazel, my older dog, uh, bless her, she used to have the time of her life, but she used to bark nonstop because I accidentally paired the cue twist with her twisting and barking. So whenever she, yeah, woof, 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 all the time. Um, so it's, with trick training, you can be more relaxed with it. But yeah. if you are doing trick training with the intent of doing freestyle or heel work to music, then do not let noise creep in. And no matter how well they do something, if they're being noisy when they're doing it, just scatter feed, let them relax, lower the arousal, try again. See, I'm lucky Dodge doesn't bark, but he, um, I call it sassing me, where he basically sounds like a dinosaur. There's no other way to describe it. He makes these funky, like, <laughs> noises, and you're like, dude, what was that actual noise? But it's when he's either getting really excited or if he's actually getting a little bit frustrated, and he's like, I think I know what you want. And it's generally when I'm adding duration. Cause he's yeah. like, I'm doing it. Where's the reward? I'm doing it. I'm doing, and I'm like, yeah, but dude, you need to do it for like maybe two seconds rather than just half a second. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a really good tip to know for him not to encourage the little noises. Cause yeah. we don't and want it's, those. It's so difficult because with things like hoopers and agility, we do want that arousal. If my dogs bark during agility, I don't care. Yeah. I actually quite like it because they're having a lot of fun. Yes, it's annoying when they're not hearing the cues, <laughs> but it means that they're having fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually really lucky that if I step in a freestyle music ring with my gobby gobby border terrier, she is silent. She's never lost a point yet, touch wood, um, for making any noise in a hill watch music or freestyle routine. Because Whereas if we step, yeah, but if we step into an agility ring, Oh my goodness, she's so loud. Actually, last year at Crafts, um, someone, so you know how big the halls are at Crafts? Yeah. Someone came up to me afterwards and said, I knew Bramble was running because the second I stepped into this hall, I could hear her. <laughs> how loud she is that at Crufts, people could hear her from all the way across the hall. That's hilarious. So yeah. anyone that's thinking of getting a Border Terrier, um, they're loud. Yeah. <laughs> Is something we will take from that. Um, oh my God, that's hilarious though. And there's me worrying about mine, like making dinosaur noises. Yours is like proper vocal. <laughs> so with um, your training, um, like what are you doing at the moment? Obviously we are likely to still be doing online stuff, but what are you offering training wise online at the moment? So, I am offering um, at the moment just trick training classes. I've just oh. been doing two trick training classes a week um, and that's a six week course. Um, but I am very soon hopefully going to start doing some freestyle to music classes and heel work to music classes. But I'm gonna start tailoring that to people who've already done some trick training classes with me just so they have a bit of a foundation to build on. Yeah, because yeah. Yep. It's, it's a little bit easier then yeah. um, because like I mentioned the early stages of freestyle to music and heel work to music are literally just training behaviors mm -hmm. um, so yeah I'm going to be doing that mainly that's cool yeah once we're out of lockdown workshops classes back to hoopers and agility and the world being back to normal are yeah. missing hoopers and agility Sorry. so excited yeah yeah so um where can people find you my dear Right, so if you type in www.crazelpup.com, mm -hmm. um, so that's C-R-A-Z-E-L-P-U-P.com, um, that's my website. Cool. Or you, you can look up on Facebook, um, Crazel Pup Dog Training. Um, the reason it's called Crazel Pup is because my old dog is called Hazel and she's crazy. So Love that. Love yeah. that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm glad you explained that because I was like, um i also have a youtube channel which is again called crazel pup cool. um, and that's the one that i've been doing since i was about nine years old so Ooh, don't so we can go into life. the archives God. we can delve back back into that and see little tiny young and jody what i will say is do not quote things that i said 
10, 15 years ago and do not hold me accountable for some things that were maybe a little bit more questionable than what I would say nowadays. We're always learning, we're always evolving. Exactly, and we and we are. And I think, um, you know, I've been chatting about it with pretty much everyone I've interviewed. Like, there is a pandemic going on at the moment and we are all having to evolve and adapt and try and work out what on earth is happening in the world and how we're changing things. And I know a lot of people have been doing online training, but I know some owners have kind of been a bit reluctant. And I think if you are an owner listening, like online training, find a trainer that suits you because not every trainer in their style is going to suit you. That's really important to know. Um, but find a trainer that suits you and you can train with like anyone in the world. I mean, I was talking to Grant Smith over in South Africa the other day and we were talking about scent work. So if you wanted to, you could train with a South African trainer doing scent work. Like it's so open now to different stuff, which I think is really cool. But please let me know when you are going to be doing these freestyle classes because this sounds fun and it's good for me to have a focus because I think as well um, for the trainers listening, it is really easy, especially at the moment when you're trying to adapt and change everything, to remember to do stuff with your own dogs as well, um, especially with there not being any kind of formal competitions and stuff. You can feel like you don't really have the goals to sort of be working towards. So obviously the like the canine hoop as well, um, assessors are working I know a lot of them are working through their progress awards at the moment during lockdown the ground's not necessarily perfect for everyone to be doing that um and I know listeners in Australia it's too hot at the moment to be doing that um yeah there's us like in Baltic conditions and then Australia was like 35 degrees when I spoke to my friend the other day and I was like just don't talk to me <laughs> just <laughs> with your heat take your heat away from our Baltic conditions um but I think it's good to have some goals and stuff as well. So with your trick stuff, like are people just doing courses or are you devising sort of progress with it or how's, how's that working? So I do it as, um, yeah. So I ask people in the first lesson, what kind of things do you want us to cover? Cool. Um, Cause when we get mixed classes like that, some people are already quite good trainers. Some people are very new. Some dogs know lots of tricks. Some don't. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really important to understand that no matter how good a dog is at, at a trick, we can always make it better. So there are some dogs that are already really good at their leg weaves. So then I say, all right, now you have to have your hands on your head and ask your dog to leg weave. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that changed. Yeah. You can always raise criteria, but also you can lower it as well, which is important to remember. If it's not working, you can lower criteria and that's fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we go through the tricks that they want to learn, but I also kind of spice it up with certain tricks that I like to teach as well, yeah. that will then also build on their training ability so that they'll go away from that course if they don't rebook back on, which they should, but if they I don't, do. <laughs> um, if they don't, then at least they have that foundation that if they want to teach their dog something in the future, they can do it. So in the first lesson, I always go through one luring trick, one shaping trick and one capturing trick. Cool. Just always, just so that they understand the difference. And then as we go along, yeah, we work on the tricks that they want to do, but we also work on things that will finesse their handling and just stuff that's a really good foundation for certain dogs. So things like being able to be lured to roll over mm -hmm. might not sound like a super flashy trick, but if a dog isn't confident enough to roll over, then that's going to start affecting other tricks because a lot of rolling over stuff, if it's not a medical issue, is a confidence issue. So, so that's one of my, what I call a unicorn trick. Um, none of my girls do roll over. Oh, do you want to come join some dog, uh, some training classes? Um, with Chica, I actually think it's a physical thing. She's she doesn't tend to if she even if she rolls on her back, she doesn't tend to do a full three sixty. Mm -hmm. um, with Munch, I think I possibly could have kind of trained it a bit more. But the the girls are heading to retirement now; they don't need to be worrying no. about that. But it's one of those things. So I found with Dodge now having this young dog in. I'm looking at what I call my unicorn tricks of stuff that I didn't necessarily teach the girls either because of physicality or just because I'd, I'd kind of stopped trick training at that point or even just things that 
at the time I was like, oh, I don't really want to teach that. But now I'm like, no, I do want to teach that really. So for me, my the unicorn trick I'm working on at the moment with him is cross your paws. Oh, that's a really fun one. But I've had to think outside my trainer box because the way I've done it previously with clients is either the dog paw targeting the client's foot and then using the foot as the lure to bring the paw over, which then becomes the physical cue as well. Um, Dodge rakes. So he uses his claws a lot. Um, So targeting me physically isn't a thing. (laughs) Okay. So I am using your general household wooden spatchy spatch from the kitchen. Nice. (laughs) Because I can keep it at a safe distance from my hand so that I don't need to wear Kevlar while I'm training. Um, (laughs) And we've been doing that as a poor target, but I'm at the stage and here we go. We're going to do a little bit of kind of problem solving. And this is putting Jodie in a really awkward position and I'm sorry, but we're at the stage now where... He will target with his, say it's his left paw and he's targeting with his left paw. The right paw is never being reinforced. Okay, there is no reinforcement for his right paw. Left paw reinforced, left paw reinforced. As soon as I move it over to his right paw, he'll target with his right paw and then his left. Yeah, okay. And I'm like, I just want your left one. It's so difficult, isn't it? But that's, that's, slightly muddy training training loop going on there because yep. we don't want that to be the pattern of him going right left yeah yep. so it's good that you can recognize that because I'm rubbish at recognizing that then I look back on a video and I go oh my god I'm stupid um it's <laughs> so you're stupid you were just so in the moment yeah 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 let's say that <laughs> um so I think it's just going to be a case of taking it so so gradually um and like you said, just reinforcing that left paw mm-hmm. and pretending that right paw doesn't even exist. Yeah, um, yeah. Another way that I do it. So I generally teach it with like a beer mat or a coaster. Yeah. And they target that on the floor. Um, I then put it on top of the other paw, but just yep. slightly so that the dog, I mean, they can lift their paw up. That's but, what he's been doing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I think with him, it's going to be a case of literally just putting it in the middle and just repeating 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 and yep. inching it or not even inching it millimetering it over yep. yeah and just taking it so so slowly it's like with the rollover so many people look for the rollover but actually the most important part of that is that um ball, ball socket change mm-hmm. so they're just leaning on one side yep. yeah if you have that you're 90 percent of the way there and so many people push for the full rollover but actually if we just take it in tiny tiny little increments we mm-hmm. might get there quicker than if we just look at the whole picture. So it's a, it's a question of lumping and splitting. Yeah, and it's knowing as well what your criteria is. So going back to that cross your paws, the other thing I'm being really strict with him with is I want him in that sphinx down. I want him straight. And he is, he's got a lazy bum, okay? He's always had a lazy bum. And if he can drop on a hip, so it took me so long to teach him a straight down because the second he would go into a down, his bum would flop mm. from a puppy. And as a puppy, because he was all big and gangly, I kind of let it go because he was a puppy and he was developing and stuff. But now I've had to use a completely new physical and verbal cue for a straight down because down is just lay down however you want, do what you want. Flat mm. is I want you straight. And I've noticed the second he starts crossing his paw, he goes to drop a hip. I'm like, he's very frustrating, love him. So this is just let anyone know that's listening, whether you're an owner or a trainer, sometimes your dog is very frustrating. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Um, But it's all about the information we give them, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So I I am someone who gets really frustrated. Um, And I think a lot of the time how we start will always sneak back in. So I started dog training as not the nicest dog trainer as we've established. Mm-hmm. And when you feel a little bit vulnerable or a little bit frustrated, those old habits, they're never truly extinct. And yeah. they always sneak back in. Um, it's like 
teaching your dog um, to do an agility. It's like teaching them to do a dog walk. You want them to hit the target at the end. If yep. you allow them to jump over that target in the early stages, that will always find a way of sneaking back in. Yep. And I do become very frustrated as a dog trainer. And it's, it's literally a case of me saying to myself, stop now, give them some treats, walk away, come back later, come back tomorrow. Yep. Um, and it's something that I, and I think we as people are quite rubbish at is we, we are stupidly optimistic sometimes. And we go, oh, if we try one more time, yeah. it'll be perfect. One more time, one more time. And every time we're like, guilty, guilty. we're like, one more time, it will be fine. And we're getting so much more frustrated. Um, so another thing I do with that is I set a timer on my phone or I have a certain number of treats out. Yeah. Whichever is finished first is the end of the session. No yeah. matter how badly it's gone. That is such a good tip. So I tend to do everything in 10. So I count out 10 treats. And I've found as well um, with Dodge, because again, I've been videoing sessions. And if I kind of do what I call a jamming session where I haven't counted my treats out and I'm just working through it, what I thought was a minute session was actually five. Mm. And five minutes of doing the same thing is a lot for yeah. the dog it's an awful lot and I think I was more mindful of how many treats and stuff when I was training the tiny dogs because they have a capacity because if you overfeed tiny dogs they then throw up if you've overfilled them basically yeah. like I know Chica can have 60 treats before she's going to be sick so I try and stop at 50 so we've got a bit of leeway yeah. but with Dodge I'm pretty sure I could give him probably two three hundred treats and he'd be fine yeah but it's knowing those sessions. So again, setting that timer or counting out your treats is such a good training tip. So thank you for that. And that's the, that'll be the tip of the week. That can be a new thing. We'll <laughs> add a tip of the week in. Just add a different thing. It'll only be this episode, but it's fine. Tip of the week for this one week only. Exactly. There we go. It's exclusive. I love that. Um, right, my darling, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you so, so much for joining me on this episode. Um, it was literally like a treat. Like there have been so many little sub stories back to the main thing. Um, if you've been listening and you're going, oh my God, what just happened? Um, welcome to my world, basically. Um, should I say welcome to my husband's world? Because poor Dale has to put up with this like on a regular basis. Love him. So yeah. Um, you can find Jodie at Crazel Park. Dot com. Lovely. Yeah. And you're on Insta and Facebook. And yeah. did you do the Twitters? I I did. Um, it's still there if someone wants to contact me through it. Basically, okay. if you type in Crazel Pop, it's a URL that's never used by anyone else because it's crazy. It'll so come up. Everything It'll will come up. up. Yeah. Lovely. Awesome. So we can find you on that. Um, if you want to follow my dogs on Instagram, we've got at, at Minx Chihuahua and at Dodge Shepherd. And until the next episode, guys, stay safe, be kind, wash your hands thoroughly, keep your dogs on lead around livestock, do not let them lick toads, and I will catch you on next episode. Take care, guys. Bye. For more information on Hoopers, where to find classes and Canine Hoopers World Instructor courses, find us on Facebook. Like our page, join our free group, Canine Hoopers World. You can follow us on Instagram and we're also on Twitter at Canine Hoopers. Check out our website, www.caninehoopersworld.com. Remember, Canine Hoopers World, everyone's invited.